You're listening to the Biz Babes with Soul podcast with your host, Melody Spencer, a show where female entrepreneurs get radically honest about life and business. Today's episode is sponsored by Swiftly Social Digital Marketing. Swiftly Social helps people create a heart-centered digital marketing and Facebook ads strategy that gets you results. For a free video tutorial on how to grow your Facebook following by 10,000 or more, visit swiftlysocial.com. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Biz Babes with Soul. I'm your host, Melody Spencer, and we have our first return visitor to the podcast, my beautiful, amazing, talented friend, Andy Williams is here, and we're going to talk about pivoting in your business and all the crazy things we both have been through in the past year. So welcome, my dear friend, Andy. Hi, I'm so happy to be back here. Yay. So let's go into what in the world has been going on. The last time we talked, you were doing a farm stay. You had this whole vision for like a retreat center and some major stuff happened. Walk us through that. (laughs) Just, just, yeah, just in a nutshell. Sure. Um, So I, I'm trying to remember when we last spoke, but either way, I was still on the farm, still had the farm stay, right? Like, yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, So I, um, so I was renting the space that I was in on the farm and um, the owner wanted to, I had a long-term lease. The owner wanted to put the place on the market and retire. And um, when it came time to buy it, we just couldn't agree on a sale price. Um, And we couldn't agree on a lot of other things. (laughs) So, Mm -hmm. um, so it got to be to the point where I was like making myself sick over, you know, purchasing this farm. And, um, if you remember like the way that it started was, um, when my dad passed away, he basically kind of led us to this farm in North Carolina. Mm -hmm. Um, he was a goat farmer in New York state and, um, he unexpectedly died in 2015 and I decided to take over the goat farm. And, um, shortly before, I mean, literally like weeks before his death, he had shown my mom or brought my mom down to this farm um, in um, in southeastern North Carolina, and he uh, they had decided they were going to try to retire there. <clears throat> and so, um, you know, as these things go, there was this flash of inspiration. And one day, my mom said to me, "I was commuting back and forth from Boston to New York State to mind the goats every weekend," and. Um, my mom said to me at one point, like, do you want to go check out this farm in North Carolina? And something in me just said, like, yes, you know? Yeah, you were just ready um, for a change. Yeah, and I was, it felt so aligned and it felt so um, providential, right? Like, it felt like providence was all over it. Um, and so, uh, cue the hardest four years of my life. Um, <laughs> Yeah. For the start of the hardest four years of my life. Um, so anyway, so about, you know, about, we, we came down, we looked at it. It was perfect. I had all these visions of a retreat center and a farm stay and all this stuff and this really transformational space. 
Um, it had a beautiful 250-year-old house on it uh, that, you know, had all this historical relevance. And um, I basically decided that um, it was for me to to do this. Like, I was, like, all in, you know? Um, but... <laughs> It was just a roller coaster ride the four mm. years, which was actually pretty good too, because um, you know I learned so much about myself and about you know building businesses and running businesses, um, and and that kind of like plays into my pivot <laughs> as well. <laughs> so we'll get there, but um, but yeah, so I built out this farm. Say um, it started out just as an Airbnb space, and then. Uh, people started approaching me to host retreats. So then I started looking into like, what do people really want from, you know, transformational retreat centers um, and started kind of building it out in that direction. Um, and then, you know, just kind of thing after thing started kind of going wrong. And, um, you know, we had a big hurricane last year, which yeah. uh, <laughs> you were, you were around for too. And, and it, kind of parked itself over us um you know we were on the kind of the the eastern side of it the northeastern side of the where it was like kind of hanging out um and so we got all of that wind shear and really like tumultuous rain and hail and just bad weather um for four days <laughs> it never stopped raining and um we were out of power for almost think eight or nine days um and I had like a house full of people <laughs> when the storm hit yeah you we told were, me this story and I was just like that sounds like my nightmare like <laughs> I know we were God. we were like 10 Honduran um Honduran immigrants like living like staying in my garage apartment because they fled to higher ground from where they were living um and then it, and I had met them through like farm help you know and then I had my friends who were staying with me and I had a retreat guest like at the time too so it was just it was mayhem <laughs> yes. complete mayhem we had no power we had no because we had no power we had no running water because it was a well pump so it was just it was rough um so that happened, and we were really lucky. I mean, our whole neighborhood, everything flooded around us. Um, we flooded, like, during the storm. Um, you know, the pastures flooded, and um, the farm itself flooded. We were okay, but there was a lot of wind damage to the house and to, mm -hmm. like, the, the, the farm in general, like, the structures on the farm. Um, so, you know, me and the owner just kind of started butting heads right after that about like, who's going to pay for repairs, you know, cause it's still, it was still in his name and I had the intention of buying, but when he named the price and all of that, I was like, I, there's no way I can do this right now. Um, and he, he made it clear, like this was the time to, he wanted to sell. He gave me a deadline and I, um, I went into like complete overload trying to meet this really irrational deadline. Mm. Um, and I ended up, I ended up in the hospital. Um, and this was in like late December, early January. Yeah. Um, I had complete adrenal fatigue. My chronic illness flared up so badly that I was on the verge of a stroke. Um, and I was just in really, really rough shape. So, um, at that point in time, my boyfriend said to me, 
<laughs> bless his heart. He's amazing. He's like, <laughs> he's like, look, you can buy this place and we can struggle to keep it going and we can struggle to rebuild it or make it what you want it to be. Or, you know, you can, and, and you're going to be sick and stressed out the whole time. <clears throat> and like, he lived an hour away, an hour north of this place. So, so we were constantly back and forth anyway, you know, to, to each other's places. Mm -hmm. um, and he farms as well. So it was not just a matter of like him packing up and moving in or me packing up and moving in with him. Like there are things tying us to both places, you know? Um, and he's like, or, you know, we can make a go of it. <laughs> we can see like what happens here. And I said, what do you mean? And he's like, well, why don't you, you know, why don't you move in with me? We can, you know, make a, we can make a pasture for the animals. We can move everything up here and you can just be done with this place. Um, and then everything like screeched a halt in my brain and <laughs> like my whole entire worldview changed in that moment and usher in the dark night of the soul. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's a lot right there. Like, it was like, like what, what, what was I doing? I was doing this whole other thing and you're asking me to give it up basically. Right. But you know, he was asking me to live right. And yeah. not to like risk my life basically to like follow this dream. And so the, what was great about this particular version of the dark night of the soul, <laughs> because I had had another one earlier in my life. I had four years. Let's face it. Those four years were really like what that was. It was me searching yeah. for meaning and it was me searching for, um, for healing after losing my dad, who is pretty much like the greatest human being ever to live and like my complete North star. Um, and so, you know, <laughs> this is the culmination of all of that. Like this was the piece de resistance or whatever the <laughs> word is for it. My French is terrible, but like, it was just so, you know, it was, it, the writing was so on the wall that I would have been stupid to ignore it. Right. Um, which I'm stupid a lot. Yeah, exactly. Like we, this is the thing about people like us. Like we, we take calculated risk and sometimes we're, um, we're just not that good at math, right? <laughs> I'm really bad at math. <laughs> exactly. But, um, so, so I, I really went into like a, a place of real deep introspection and I had people booked for retreats. I think you guys were booked for your birthday retreat. Yeah. And that, that whole weekend was so funny. I have a story for oh, you. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I was like, um, in the hospital. I can't possibly oh, post this. So like, scary. <laughs> I felt so bad for you. Uh, it was just, it was wild. Like the whole thing was wild. And um, but in the end, like, and it, you know, when I when I told the owner I was I was going to leave um, for medical reasons, he understood. But I think then a lot of his limiting beliefs and his. Um, old stories came up in the process of me moving out because then it kind of dragged out for like three months yeah. where like it was every time I, I would hear from him, it would be like, and have you fixed this? And have you removed this from the property? And like, it just took forever to be done with it. Um, but finally in May I was done and I was, I, I, I had moved in here um, with Edward and Marge we moved the well I moved in 
here in January because I couldn't live by myself anymore because I was going to have a stroke. And so um, I moved in here. I had a friend um, and, and my, my farm helper stayed on on the farm and she was taking care of the animals down there while I was here. Um, and, um, I just had a lot of help. Like once I made a decision, the help just kind of started showing up, Mm -hmm. which like, I think is so magical about pivots, right? Like once you decide and you, you, you you declare it, it's like all of the things that you worry about before you declare it just kind of resolve themselves. Like it's like they just go away you know um but so we just you know we had this whole move um and then by by march the animals were up here as well in joko and um joko is johnston county for the uninitiated yeah i knew what it was but i was like no one else is gonna know what that is it's johnston county for the uninitiated and um uh, it's just about an hour north of where I was. It's still a very rural community. Um, what's been fun is like the how, like it's such a it's such a turnaround um, from like you know this two hundred and fifty year old old plantation house, you know, like um, the old school farmhouse. And I live in a trailer house now, which is cool because it's tiny and I can clean it in an hour. Um, <laughs> That's nice. That's a nice change. It's such, it's such a nice change um, from a nine bedroom, you know, um, four, 5,000 square foot house. Which to be um, fair, that house was gorgeous. It was so it, nice. It was, it was, it was falling apart too, though. <laughs> so it's called <laughs> spade a spade. Um, you know, and after the hurricane, because everything stayed so damp for months afterwards because of all the water, um, we had a lot of issues with mold and stuff too. So like it molded like inside the walls, oh. which was just, it was just gross. So, I mean, I breathe much easier here, literally and figuratively that's speaking. That's good. That's good on both uh, accounts. Yeah. So, um, so that's been really good. And then, you know, it gave me a chance to think about like, what is it that I really came to earth to do? which like sounds really dramatic and there should be like some dramatic music or something. Maybe um, I'll add that in. <laughs> I know. Right. But, um, it's, I, I realized like I needed to do the thing that I've been doing all along, um, which is coaching mm-hmm. because like in my day job, um, I, I've always been, I am a coach in my day job. I'm an executive coach and, and trainer. And, um, in my, you know, and ever since I was six years old, I wanted to be, ever since I went to school, I wanted to be a teacher and a boss. Like that was the stuff. That was the thing mm-hmm. when they made you write about what do you want to be when you grow up? Like I always wrote teacher and boss. <laughs> and, and so I was like, Oh, is that a principal? And it was very clear. Like, no, no, no. I'm a teacher and a boss. Like that's it. Um, so, um, and my poor sister, I made her play school, school, like a million gazillion times in her lifetime. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, you know, I, I knew that this was meant for me, like this was for me. Um, but I was just kind of shying away from that calling for the longest time because I thought I had to do this farm thing. Um, Mm -hmm. and then that was the real calling, um, and what I realized it, through a lot of introspection and a lot of crying on my mom's shoulder and, and finally, like, 
just admitting to her, like, I felt like I was failing my dad's legacy, you know, my dad's memory, and I was failing, like, my calling. She said, you know, this farm was never yours. Like, this farm was never, this was never your dream. I said, what do you... (laughs) I was so angry. I was like, what do you mean it wasn't my dream? Um, And she was like, this was your dad and my like retirement dream. It was never, there was never an expectation that you do this, you know, and, and, and he would never, you know, ask you to persevere in something that's not good for you, Um, you know, and where you're struggling so much and you're, you're really like, you know, going through the ringer so much and where you're putting your life at risk. Like he would never ask you to do that. And that was like a really enter the second dark night of the soul. Um, <laughs> Man, I don't feel so bad about all my struggles this year. Now. Right? Right? Like it's one of those things where you just like someone says something and you, it just like triggers a flood of realization and it breaks you wide open, right? Mm-hmm. And then all of the stuff inside gets to come out for better or for freaking worse. Um, and it just uh, in that moment, I was like, "You're right. This was that farm was never my dream. Um, I am still a farmer. I still have my animals." I still um, raise goats and I have my rescue horses and my rescue donkeys and my random llama and, you know. Oh, Shirley. Oh, Shirley. The most dramatic of dramatic llamas, drama llamas. Um, (laughs) uh, We actually sheared her the other day. She got shorn and it was um, high drama. I wish someone got video of it, but there weren't enough hands to also videotape. Um. But, but they basically heard her in the next county. Like, she was so loud. Um, <laughs> we were just like, Shirley, we do this every year. Like, I don't know why you're freaking out. Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, so it just, you know, it, these things happen and they bust you wide open. And then you're like, you know, what am I here to do? Why am I here? <laughs> and what is the pivot? Why am I, why am I the one who's pivoting? Mm. Um, but, you know, in the end, like, everything's working out. Coaching business is coming along. And um, everything just looks a little bit brighter every morning. So That's really good. What do you feel like your biggest realization about yourself was through all of these changes? Oh, that's a good question. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think it's that I can do anything. Like Mm. there is nothing that I feel like I cannot do. Um, And I was actually talking to my mindset coach about this the other day um, because I thought this is really weird and that I was like somehow cosmically like flawed because I was like tempting the cosmos here. Um, (laughs) I was like, I have to admit something. And she said, what? And I said, I don't, I'm not afraid of anything. Hmm. And she's like, what do you mean? I was like, I literally, like we were talking about this the other day and it came up around bees and how Edward is, he's allergic. So he, you know, he's terrified of bees. Like he, he can't handle a bee. Um, And this is like, he's like just this wild person. (laughs) Practically lives in the woods. 
like he's farms and he's like out there like you know hunting wild animals all the time and whatever um but he's terrified of bees and i was like there is literally nothing i can think of that i'm not scared of and she said, well, that's actually not that strange. And I was like, really? Because I feel like it's weird. And she was like, well, you know, when you come through something that's really traumatic and that, you know, requires you to do so much introspection and, and so much shifting, mm-hmm. um, you really kind of like, you you break the bonds of fear and that could be every fear that you hold. Like you could break them all at the same time. Um, it just means that your, your soul recognizes its purpose and it no longer fears death and it no longer fears anything. And I was like, well, that's powerful. I like that. (laughs) Yeah. I like that too. I think, I think that's true for me too. I mean, I've, yeah, you I, went through like quite the pivot this year as well. I mean, I feel like I I saw a friend I hadn't seen in a while and she stopped me and she was like, you look like a different person. Like she was like, you look like a weight has been like lifted off of you. And I feel like a different person. I, I and I, I think it was just um, the universe giving me that permission to step through something that was really hard but it's like you said as soon as you make that change things line up for you yep absolutely and I so gracefully too (laughs) that's what that's what my friend Heather said she was like you're like the comeback queen and I was like I don't feel like it yeah like all these people are like you're so brave I'm like brave like I I feel like I didn't have a choice like, I did have a choice, but I didn't. It was what I was supposed to do right. at that time, and I just had to, like, step into that. Oh, I hear that. I hear that loud and clear. Like, that's how – that's literally how I feel. Like, I you, – you get to a point, and, yeah, you have a choice. You can kind of keep trying to make it work and keep, like, stay stuck where you are. Mm-hmm. Um. Or you can choose yourself and you can choose growth and you can choose, you can choose discomfort Yeah, (laughs) because all like yourself, you know, choosing yourself and growth and all that stuff that comes with a lot of discomfort. Oh yeah. Um, And it comes with like, again, that whole splitting wide open. Like, I think that's so like um, romanticized in popular culture right like Mm -hmm, you pray love right we don't ever see the part where she's curled fetally like on the floor and she is like in fetal position sobbing for three days straight like you don't see that you don't see the part where you can't get out of bed and right like you have these dark thoughts about how like no one's gonna love you and you're a piece of shit basically right exactly yeah exactly like you don't we don't see you know we hear about it we hear about people's um people's rise and we never really hear about like the actual low points um and the fact that a rise is never like a linear climb right like you don't just climb up you climb up and then you fall 17 paces back and Mm -hmm. then you crawl (laughs) up two paces and then you fall another 75 paces and it's like it's like when am I ever going to get to the freaking top and see the sunshine again yeah um I think 
the power in choice and the power in the decision is that, um, is that we, you know, as long as you keep choosing to rise, um, there is no way you can mess it up. Like there is no way you can mess up your rise Yeah, Um, because we're all here on earth to do exactly that. And so even if we delay it temporarily by making a choice to stay in our comfortable discomfort, we, um, you know, eventually you're going to get to a point where you are going to have to, you know, choose to rise. Yeah. I I think, you know, I did have a choice, but I also, like I said, I could have stayed stuck, but I think eventually the universe would have found another way for me to be like, okay, here's that choice again. Right. You're going to make it like, I think it comes up multiple times until you finally do it until there's no way you can get out of it. Like for you, you almost died. Like yep. that was the universe saying like, get the fuck out. Like, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. It was so interesting because like, you know, I went through this thing, this health scare and right after it. Um, and I've, I've, I still felt really disconnected from my body and from myself, right? Like I f- still felt like I was kind of floating separately from what was happening to me. Um, and I felt that way for four years, right? Except for like the moments, those really like deep shit moments where you're like so in it and you would do anything to get out of it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but like in the moments where, um, in the regular moments, I felt like I was watching my life. Right, like this. Yes, I have totally felt like that before. I've looked back on the past years, and I'm like, "Wow, was I even there? Like, I was there, but was I present to it? Because I don't feel like I was." Yeah, yeah. And so when I, um, you know, when I finally, like, you know, kind of got out of like the initial, you know, when I got out of bed, because like I, I got sick. I was in the hospital and then, um, I, uh, there were like two more weeks after that where I was still like, just had such bad headaches that I couldn't get out of bed. Um, and so when I finally was able to kind of come back to life, I called a friend of mine who's a medical intuitive, um, and she does these intuitive body scans. Um, and I said, Wendy, I really need this. (laughs) Can you do one for me? And she said, sure. Um, so she did it. And she didn't even ever give me any of the like details of what needs to happen. The only thing she that, that stood out to me, and I think she, somewhere she wrote a report for it, but the only main thing we ever talked about was like when she tuned into my body, the first thing my body said is, I want to live. Mm. And that moment was, let's talk about another dark night of the soul <laughs> assurance, right? Like, I was like, what have I been doing to myself all these years, like living so fast and trying to take on so much all the time, never slowing down, never learning how to take care of myself, but taking care of every human being and every animal and every tree and every blade of grass around me, um, and so the focus for the last like five months for me have really been has really been on um, 
and self-care and yes. what that actually means. And it's not just like mani petties, you know. It's yeah, like, no, it's just giving yourself time to rest and breathe. Yeah, and like rest and breathe and plan and enforce boundaries and, like, <laughs> you know, just really basic yeah. things that nobody ever freaking teaches us, right? So are you an Enneagram too? Wait, say that again? Or, or have you taken the Enneagram? I am. Are yeah, I have. Are you a two? No, I'm, I'm a three. Actually. Really? Because you sound, I'm a two and that sounds just like me. Like, yeah, I'm a three wing nine. So okay. I'm a two wing three. So. Interesting. So yeah. it, we have some similarities there. That's Although I'll tell you, I don't know much about the rest of them. <laughs> so. That's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. But that was like the lesson that I needed to really learn for myself is that like, what is it to actually take care of yourself? What does that mean? And what does that look like? And, you know, I had this message, this constant message of like, like creating from rest. Like that was constantly my message from God. And he was like, rest in me, rest in me. And I didn't know what that meant. I had no mm -hmm. idea. So um, then finally I said, you know, teach me. And, you know, everything in my life collapsed and I had to completely pivot everything. And here I am seven months later and I'm still learning. So, <laughs> yeah. I mean, sometimes what you think it means is definitely not what it means. I mean, if you would have told me that I would be 35 living in my parents' guest room getting a divorce, mm -hmm. <laughs> I would say, you're crazy. Um, right. That's not what my plan for my life was. But right. I also think that's what was supposed to happen. Yeah. Because I am a happier person now. And, uh, you know, I, I think we can both say that we, <laughs> we've discovered more about ourselves and more about what we want out of life through pivoting and through being present to changes 100% agree yeah yeah huh so as we wrap up yeah. if you were to give advice to someone who wants to make a big change mm -hmm. or feels like there's a change coming what would you tell her um to just roll with it <laughs> And I know that feels really like it's going to feel really hard to not, you know, protest and not push against it and, and, and just go with it. But in the end, um, like the longer you delay it, the, the worse it's going to feel as you're going through it. Right. So, um, embrace it, go through it and just like, learn to put yourself first um i i always thought it was so cheesy to say like you know you can't pour from an empty cup but literally you cannot pour from an empty cup yeah. in fact you will run that cup into the ground it'll shatter and it'll just be um you'll just be like a shell and a broken husk of what you what you're supposed to be and ain't nobody got time for that right so yeah. um figure out how to fill your cup first um and figure out what it takes to fill your cup and chase that um through the process and um you know just find your friends and lean on your friends yeah that's absolutely that 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 is what what is what the thing that's that has saved me in the past seven eight months is mm -hmm. friends is people like you who reached out to me and were like 
you know, how can we help you? Like, even people I feel like are barely new are like reaching out to me. And it's like, I have this amazing support system. And yep. I think if I hadn't had that, I would have just given up. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. I totally agree. Also, if you're considering pivoting, I highly recommend reading Brene Brown's Rising Strong. Yes. <laughs> or any of the Brene Yeah, Brown or pretty books. much all of her books. <laughs> I have read all of her books this year and taken, like, notebooks worth of notes. Um, mm-hmm. She's amazing. And she, has she knows goddess. a thing or two about changes and shame and mm-hmm. dealing with our own junk and telling ourselves stories. So, yeah. Yep, totally agree. She's amazing. Well, thank you so much for being here. Where can everybody find you if they want to learn more about you? Um, They can find me on Facebook, uh, Andrea Williams or Andy Williams Coaching. Yay! Awesome. (laughs) Well, I'm so glad that we got to have our very first repeat guest. I know. Thanks for having me. (laughs) Yeah, thank you for being here. I hope you guys enjoyed it as well. All right, we'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Thank you for joining me for the Biz Babes with Soul podcast. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and share with your friends. To learn more about me, Melody Spencer, and the show, please visit swiftlysocial.com.